guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ike MMA podcast or the Ike MMA show, whichever you prefer. And I'm joined in studio with Timothy, aka the Celtic Assassin Baylor. Is it Baylor or <laughs> or? Uh, it's pronounced Baylor, but a lot of people normally get it mixed up anyway. So you're not the first person to get that mixed up. I know that definitely for um, for going forward in the future, David Baylor. Yes, sir. No, no, I said David there. Timothy Baylor. God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Long day. Sorry. Sorry about that. Timothy, how are you feeling? I'm doing good, man. Just chilling. Just, uh, just, just been grinding, you know, work and a little bit of training. Just, you know, trying to get Christmas weight off. No, same here. Same here. I've been very careless with my diet. I mean, so I was get, say I would say yeah, get the Christmas weight off, but this is where I've been pushing on since the summer. <laughs> yeah. Um. Look, for me, this interview is almost overdue because I've been meaning to talk to you for a long time. Um, been routine stuff happened, uh, including my old laptop that died, so I had to um take time getting that replaced. But what really attracted us and got me really um. What I want to speak to you is that your um background and your story is quite you know quite unique, and you did send me through some content that I should look through, and um I listened to what you said in that video, and I say it was uh really really touching that you're someone who's really really had to work from the ground. I mean really work from the ground upwards to get to where you are today. So I mean, can you give us a bit of like your I know I've kind of heard it myself, but there's nothing that compares to asking the person something you hear straight from the horse's mouth, if you know what I mean. Yes, sir. Um, I mean, what would you like to know? <laughs> no, as <laughs> in, I was going to ask you, as in, what, how, why you chose to go into combat sports, specifically MMA, but I wanted to get just some, um, some insight into your background and where you come from, your your backstory, basically. Yes. So I. I grew up in a small town of uh, Burgaw of North Carolina in the United States. Um, it's a very, like, uh, not very many people even outside of, uh, around North Carolina don't really know about it, unless you, like, live in the surrounding areas. Um, the nearest, like, major city, I should say, is Wilmington. That's actually where um, UFC middleweight uh, Derek Brunson is. Um, I see. Okay. So, yeah, and um, just backstory, you know, just growing up, you know, my parents, like, you know, my dad was a mover. He was a truck driver, mover. So he was mainly just, you know, he was always out on the road, and you know, he anytime there was a fatherly duty, he was always there. So he definitely didn't miss any like major events in terms of like my childhood. He would be there as best he could, but you know, he would be out sometimes. But my mom, on the other hand, she, like, as soon as I was diagnosed in 96, according to her, um, a lot of parents, there's a, not only is there a spectrum, in the, like an autism spectrum for different levels for the, and that, there's also, in my opinion, the, the spectrum of uh, the parents. Um, and what I mean by that is you'll meet, whenever their child is diagnosed with it on whatever major level uh you'll see like how their parenting style is and unfortunately it can some of it is not in my opinion is pretty intelligent 
Um, some of it is like they don't really put a lot of effort. Some of them don't really put a lot of effort into like uh, making sure that, you know, individual becomes independent in the future. So it's pretty homebound. And um, that was definitely not my mom. And, and also another thing is like a lot of them will probably would like to get government benefits that type of thing um and what else you know it's just like you know like um (laughs) my mom had a friend who had a child on the spectrum of course but she would always go to my mom saying like oh we can get we can get them helmets and stuff like that and you know like that that type of deal so like really no effort into like trying to make things better yes of like progressing and so my mom really did a lot of the work in terms of like um, making sure that that was never the case at all. And I, and I am the product of that. As, um, as you can see, I'm able to talk to you fluently and I've been able to live a very independent life. Yes. Yeah. I can see that. Like that. Now in terms of like why I wanted to be in the combat sports, it's because of, uh, so I grew up wanting to be more military. I, I wanted to go in the military. That was like, ever since I was very little, I've always, that was like my dream. I went to Paris Island twice on uh, separate occasions. Uh, one was for my cousin who went to the Marine Corps Reserves. Um, he did okay in that, and he's out now, and he's, he's doing his own thing. Um. And also, and I don't know the exact term of it, but I I called them workers, like um not your babysitters, but they were like the special needs day takers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I called them workers. So like um she was also in the Marine Marines. Um I went that was the second time I went and I just like and right away I fell in love with the idea of going in the Marine Corps. And I did my research to an extent as a child and um if you would have asked me at 18 years old why do i want to be a soldier it would probably be for the wrong reason <laughs> like um like you know like uh the cool badass of like oh it's going to war going in there to fight mm-hmm. yeah it, it, but now these days like i've developed my warrior ethos and i've done like I just I I love that lifestyle and I continue to do that to this day. Uh and um so yeah, so that went on and it mainly started in middle school or you know it was from childhood to middle school and then to high school and then high school is like where it really started to take off in terms of like because we had a JRTC program, uh junior reserves officer training corps um in my high school. And I did that for three and a half years. I wanted to do it immediately as soon as I got to high school. But for some reason, I had to take a semester of PE, which is kind of stupid in my opinion. Um, like okay. the yeah. classroom part of it anyway. Uh, but I, in those three and a half years, I feel like I did um, exceptionally well. Uh, I made that a point, especially to my mom. And my, my mom was supportive, but she was also obviously as a mother very worried about me going to war at the time of when there's conflict and stuff like that so she understood that but at, in my mind at the time I was like I don't care 
like I'm like I'm willing to fight for my country and still do to this day, but I'm very more smart about it now. Um, and um, I that was just like my end goal. Like I didn't have like a plan B or anything like that. I like there like I was not interested in anything else. Like she would just suggest like oh like mechanics or or um just some just something like that was not in my my realm. Like I was interested in like like if there was anything military related yes, some yeah. extent, or any warrior type thing I was that gravitated towards me and and it's still and it still do there I and I wish there was I mean obviously a police officer but that's that was a whole different different thing I feel you know so I mean, that that's out of the realm of possibility but yeah uh, no uh, not not to sorry to interrupt you, but when you said that at eighteen, all that really mattered to you that you were almost transfixed with the idea of serving in the U.S. military. Um, didn't also, and not to um discredit what you did, uh, for such a decision you took at such a young age. Um, mm-hmm. didn't the fear of well, you know how war works. Um. Yep there's always a possibility that you may not come back if if you know what i mean i was fully aware of that okay right. i was fully aware of that and was willing to do what i had to do if that were to happen still do but i'm more like i said i'm more smart about it like and i didn't have like at, at that age i would be like i don't care like i don't have like a I, you know what i mean i don't not really try to really explain that but um, yeah, I did good in the charity C. I was part of a Raider team. Raider team is just basically a fitness, physical fitness team. Okay, um, I see. Basically the back, basically the backbone of the the charity program. Uh, did that in there. Um, made it up the ranks. Uh, went to the, the summer camps. You know, going off of rappel towers, which is something I'm not really fond of. I'm not a fan of heights, but it's something you have to do, and a bunch of other stuff. You know, um, it was very close to a boot camp. You know, I was, I felt like this is where this is, this is it. Like, you know, and um, taking up the hobby of airsoft, I still have my kit. You know, it is also set for real life situations. <laughs> so there's that. To this day. Um, yeah. So, you know, three and a half years, I made it to the rank of a battalion commander which is a lieutenant colonel a cadet lieutenant colonel um that made um local news at the time because it was um and i don't know if this is true or not uh people can call me out for it or not i see i think i am the first person on the spectrum to do it i could be wrong i mean i'm not i don't want to take credit for something i'm not the first at but um as far as i'm concerned i haven't heard anything about it and um, that made the, the local news, uh, the ceremonies and stuff like that. And I was not, and also I want to point this out. I was not the first choice. I was like a, uh, a secondary because the, per, the what happened was, was the, um, the battalion commander at the time was, uh, he was going off to college early and um, there were a bunch of other capable people of doing it. But um, uh, my instructor um, felt like, um, uh, I was ready to take the job, and I, I took the job. 
and stuff like that. So I took that with, uh, you know, I was very humble with that. So I, high school for me was like the greatest years of my life. And I, I still carry that today, which is the best. I made tons of, tons of good, good friends. My, my best friend from high school was actually my roommate. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. And, and I also did track. Uh, it's, a it's been part of the family for a very long time, actually, uh, doing track and stuff like that. Um, it's part of the 2013 state champion, uh, championship we won. And, um, yeah, you know, being able to like, really like, you know, be the person I wanted to be in high school, especially, and being around the people that really cared about you because I go like, um, elementary to middle school were the most difficult years of my life they like a lot of a lot of bullying would happen not just from kids but from adults as it turns out (laughs) as it it comes out it comes out a lot um there was definitely like um and I don't really care if this person is alive or not, but I'll say her name. Um, I remember one particular teacher, her name was Miss White. Um, and not only was she like abusive towards me, she was abusive towards other other kids as well in terms of verbal, like very, very verbal. And, and you know, we were able to voice that and able to get her fired. Yeah, there was another teacher we had that I remember seeing happen. She was a special ed teacher. And out of the corner of my eye, I see her. I don't remember if she pushed or like slightly kicked a Down syndrome uh, child. Just nonchalant. And there was a bunch of other stuff that she was doing that was not really regulated either. And we got her fired and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Some uh, crazy, crazy shit. Thing is, yeah, elementary and middle school were terrible. But... Thing is, people like that, I mean, they might get fired or dismissed from a particular job, but how do you guarantee that they will not get rehired in a similar position? I believe the one who kicked the Down syndrome child was able to find work. And I believe we were able to tell tell them, hey, this is what this person did. Just to give you a heads up. So I don't know what happened to her. I don't really care. And not not my problem. Well, it is to an extent, but, you know, my hope is that she's not in the, you know, education system anymore. But yeah, uh, definitely was like, up until high school, like before high school, I, it was very depressing. Like I was just like, you know, it would always be like being bullied. And uh, me and my mom did have our ups and downs because of like, she would always, she went through a lot as a kid and not like anything bad or anything like that, but she just, you know, like there were times where we, just, we would just snap at each other and stuff like that, but it was, it was never anything bad. It, but, you know, we, we had our ups down but it was sure. definitely especially now we're we're able to understand a lot more but yeah and then so after high school or actually 
Um, I went to a Marine recruiter in high school. My mom would always tell me that you need to tell them that you have autism. Now, I was going to just going to flat out go like the don't ask, don't tell kind of policy kind of thing in terms of that. I was just like, well, they can, they can find out themselves. And at this point, I think that's probably the best thing to do anyway. Um, I remember telling the uh, Marine Corps recruiter, and I never heard from that recruiter ever again. Um, and that that hurt. That hurt a lot. Um, so my next best option was to talk to a National Guard recruiter. And this one actually did seem interested, as all recruiters do. Sorry. <laughs> you, you, know, like you, the, you know, these sweaty fucks, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, yeah, so I talked to him. He seemed very interested because he was, like, always around the school and stuff like that. Just, you know, trying to trying to get recruiters or trying to recruit um, students. Um, had him along for about a year after high school. But also, like, prior to that, I told him I had autism. And um, he told me because of that, that automatically disqualifies you from joining. Hmm. Now, unless we have a draft, which I wouldn't be surprised of that, honestly. But, you know, uh, then you could. But at the time, no, you can't. And, um, you know, that, that, re- that really hurt. Like, I was like, wow, I put all that effort into really nothing. And mm. that, that sucked. But he was like, if you, just, if you do good in, the, uh, in MEPS, or uh, the ASVAP, rather, as bad test, then you know, and if they happen to see it, then if you have a good score, but you have this, but you have autism, that that would kind of I don't know, it would kind of like um, you're kind of throwing away a good product, I guess. As the best I can really explain it. So I went to I went to Maps, um, did the best I could in the ASVAB. Prior to that, I studied the best I could, but I was also working a part-time job uh, that was very demanding for some reason, like maybe four or five days out of the week and working like weird schedules in terms of like I would either be working in the morning or working at night. So that was always like bad in terms of trying to get in like um, study time in, but I did the best I could. And I went to MAPS, took the test, did the best I could in my opinion. And just basically having them tell me that, uh, sorry, uh, no good. So you have to wait in the lobby. I was waiting because the recruiter was also like um, prepping one of her, one of his uh, recruits, just doing the physical and stuff like that, getting her orders. So I'm just waiting in the lobby, Mm. trying to hold in tears and stuff like that, because I'm just like, wow, like, like yeah, it was very only overwhelming. And then um, I left that part-time job, and uh, I got a full-time job working at the metal factory in my hometown. Sure. That I was able to like uh, go out, get a an apartment for myself, um, and just live on my own. 
And then about a few months later, like I get a call from that recruiter again. He was saying like, oh, we can, we can try again. Just try. Um, and, you know, he just tell me, like, oh, we can try again. And then he was like, hold on. Like I'm on a, in a meeting. Well, that must've been a long ass meeting. Cause I haven't heard from him since. Wow. <laughs> so oh. I was just like, wow. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to cut that, but I was, I was like, F you, dude. That's like, F you. And that's kind of how I feel about mm. most, if not all recruiters, <laughs> especially, yeah. you know, they, they basically just shoot themselves in the foot yeah. in terms of that regard. But, and so during that time, I was very much like, I was getting more into like MMA stuff like watching it um yeah. i watched the bits and pieces but i really got into it during my senior year and just um my my inspiration was george st pierre because of that because of his upbringing yeah mm-hmm. and um and during that time connor won the interim title and that's when i started training i'm also a fan of him or at least i was a fan of old connor <laughs> no no yeah yeah the fame's yeah, really gone to his well the fame as in well from what i've been hearing he can't go anywhere at all especially yeah. in his home country home city of dublin without being mobbed by a gang or group of girls or whoever he has always has right, to have yeah. private security around him right yeah yeah so so there's a there was a gym in my hometown it's more jujitsu oriented, but they do kickboxing and stuff like that. And I actually went there before during school or high school when I was dating someone there at the time. And I was only going there because she was there <laughs> pretty much a lovely girl, but she broke up with me. <laughs> and then, um, and then, but I, then I just started focusing on track and charity and stuff like that. And then I obviously after all, that mess out of high school the recruiter stuff i was like man like i could really get into mma and my mom was like obviously again she was like very scared of that because yeah, I, she's I, seen what i've seen and stuff like that i was just thinking she okay there's the um your backstory but then now you're going to move into something uh combat sports which <laughs> can be deadly it's an brutal so then everything that you'd gone through um, leading up to that point in your life was there no serious objections from her your mom saying no sorry um be we can't allow this we can't support it we really want you to, to try your hand at something completely different right well she was in that like the military thing she was like i like i don't like what's going on over there at the time um with this however she like she's supportive of it like she's always been supportive of it and she's only been to maybe two or three fights out of the nine fights that i've had and it's only because she she doesn't want to be there for when i get hurt like Mm. she would and i understand like i understand that i'm not going to judge her for that at all but and you know she's been to like, like I said, to some, to some of them, mm-hmm. and but you know, she, 
she's not into violence at, okay. as so as so much as me rather <laughs> or i like <laughs> really um yeah i'm the only like i have two older brothers i'm the only one that's doing this stuff i'm the only one with tats and stuff like that and i'm the and as as a as the joke of being the mother's favorite <laughs> just a joke uh, just joking though <laughs> but um right so um where was i gonna so you were what we you, you were what we what over here we would consider the baby of the house yes yes yeah absolutely Okay. Yeah. Oh, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so yeah, after all that mess with trying to get in the military for so long and having my full time job, I was able to you know live on my own, all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? I really want to get into trying this out, and and I did. And uh, I trained for about a good year. Uh, we had an MMA coach there at the time. Uh, he's no longer there. He he's moved on to better things, like um, just living life. Yeah. Um. He got me into it. His name is Joe. Uh, Joe Sabretooth. Uh, he was an amateur for quite some time. I was actually there cornering him in his last amateur fight. Uh, was not a happy camper because he the way he lost. He's basically going against an old teammate of his, and they were. That's that's another thing. Um, so he he knows Derek Brunt, which like come like uh, sometime later when I made my amateur debut. But um, you know, trained for a year and then like about that time in, a promoter from the local uh, Wilmington area was looking for a fighter at 125. Now at the time. I was like, I was walking around around 135-ish. Okay. Uh, so it was a two-week notice and try to make 125. I made that weight in two weeks. It sucked. <laughs> it was, and as people would describe me at that time, I was a walking skeleton, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, I made that weight. I. And that fight got canceled on his end. <laughs> why? Yeah. Did you find out why? I never knew why. I never mm. knew why. It, it, he just, it just, I was just told it fights off because the guy, like, I don't know. Mm. Uh, everybody else is because he was scared. Of you? I, of, of apparently. Uh, apparently, I guess. Making my oh. debut. I don't know why. Uh, um, yeah. And then so I was... Um, then they had me in a grappling match. Just a grappling match. And stuff like that for the show. Uh, five minutes before the show even starts. And you're like... And I think I was like the first grappling match of the night. Uh, that guy is not there. There's a grappling match. Just a grappling match. And the guy, in five minutes before the show even starts, he's not there. <laughs> so that was that was a waste of my, my time and stuff like that. But 
it led on to better things because then I was able to make my debut the next couple of months later coming into the year of um, 2017. Uh, it was Next Level Fight Club, uh, January 28th of 2017. Yeah. Um, that was a big, that was a big moment for me. It was, uh, it was really, it was really great. A lot of family was there. My mom was there. Mm. Uh, <laughs> one of them. And my, my dad and a lot of family friends and family and stuff like that. Uh, Derek Brunson was there. Ah. Derek Brunson was there. Uh, he was cornering uh, somebody from from his gym, I believe. Sure. Um, and they're they're great people, really. Um, um, and you know, I know Derek from like you know we 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 just know we know each other, and just like by name and stuff like that. So I mean, but still, that's that's pretty cool. I was like, oh shit, this is Derek Brunson. Like I've seen him on TV and stuff like that. That's cool. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um. My coach, my coach knows him because I think they grew up in the amateur scene. I think they were in a promotion together or something like that. But when I, man, dude, when I was waiting for my fight to, man, I was about to, like, <laughs> like I was about to pee my pants, kind of thing. You know? But it was, I was just like, oh man, like what am I doing here? What am I doing? But then. It just like it dawned on me. I was like, dude, you know why? Like, because like you like you need to make this, like you need to make this happen. Mm-hmm. I think. And I went. I went out there, performed, got the win, smashed a dude's face. <laughs> that was that was fun. Um, and then after that, you know, it was a good time. You know, Derek saw it, congratulated me and stuff like that. You know. And I, you know, this, and I knew this was something I wanted to do, um, and do it to the best I can, and see how far I could go with it. And then, you know, I had two more fights after that on a winning streak. Uh, they that went pretty good. And then, um, leading into 2018, I had my first loss. Um, and then, and you know. Just after that, you know, it's been mixed up and stuff like that, and you know, pretty much until we lead to this day, really. For you to lose with some, well, not lose, but for you to make that weight, excuse me, for you to make that weight, as in, did you have to, in such a short space of time, did you have to drastically drop your calorific intake, use a sauna virtually every day, probably even twice a day? Was it that drastic to get your weight down to that specific figure? Uh, for one twenty-five. Correct. Yes. Uh, for that time, yes. In in two weeks, it was very dramatic. It was like um, I had to eat ice, that type of thing, and wear sweats a lot. And keep in mind, like um, my the metal factory that I work out, it's basically a warehouse. Um, and in the summer, and uh, so you know, trying to like cut that weight off as much as you can but also like don't die at work make sure like you're not a casualty at work kind of thing but i was like um you know i just i'm just trying to split this off it's like you know and i was able to do that you know i just had to cut a lot of portions uh like mm. the unhealthy ones, yeah know? and just uh you know i, I did everything i could um I, in hindsight, it was probably not the smartest thing to do, 
but you know i did what i knew at the time you know you know, you know it was definitely probably better I, I don't know you personally, but you, you've seen the fights of the UFC fights of Paddy Pimlis. I'm sorry? You, you've seen, or oh, you know the UFC fights of Paddy Pimlis. Paddy I think the, I'm aware of that. Paddy the Bad. <laughs> Paddy the Bad. Oh, yes, Pimblet, yes, 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 of course. Um, you've seen how when, he, when he's done with the fights, done with any competition involved in combat sports, he balloons up. It's time to yeah. fight. He then trims and slims down. <laughs> you, yes. You've never been one to do that. Um, I never, I don't know, at the time, because, like, um, I guess from my age at the time, like, I was always, like, in high school, I was always walking at 35. Okay. Um, and I was, like, you know, I, I mean, I looked okay in terms of, like, I wasn't jacked, but I was, like, I was, you know, I looked all right at the time, you know, um, as I got older, you know, that definitely, you know, you did like, I definitely have some Christmas weight on me and stuff like that. So I don't think I can make <laughs> a, I don't think I can make 125 at all period. And I don't plan on it. I don't think I can make 135 either. But then again, I mean, obviously if I took the right amount of time, maybe I could, but 45, I could definitely try that even fit maybe even 55 but i don't know it, it would depend on what the future holds really but yeah i just probably just need to look at how i need to do that the right way and hmm. what well, in mixed martial arts um okay let me ask this question but it's a question that i ask well, I ask it to a lot of the fights who are the much more they're in the smaller promotions on the big cards in the big promotion promotions yet. So someone like yourself, you're about twenty eight years old, so you still got a lot of time, a lot of fights ahead of you. Um which of the big promotions would you like to see yourself fighting in? I mean, I know there's the obvious one, the UFC, even with the betting scandal that we've got going on at the moment with James Krause and um Denoir and the rest of them. Um, it's almost like a no-brainer, but again, you know, um, nothing compares to asking the person themselves. As in, for you yourself, which from which of the big names would you like to see yourself fighting in? in? Um, all of them. Um, may yeah, UFC definitely, of course, would definitely be the the home run. <clears throat> the home run, of course. Um, another one would de- be Bellator. Mm-hmm. Um, and one FC that that would definitely be right there as well. So those three would definitely be on the um, hmm. the top tier list. Okay, one FC. I mean, as still as well, the FC is the is the, um, the biggest out of all of them. But I think one FC they still hold their own, especially in the far eastern market. Um. So if you were going to compete in one FC, you wouldn't mind um, pro- potentially probably relocating to somewhere closer to where their base is, or would you still be staying and uh, traveling in and out of the US when you've got a fight on? Right, man. If I had the money, if I had the money to be able to do that, I would definitely do that. Um, obviously, as of right now, can't. 
uh, but if I if I was able to have the the proper income to be able to do like travel in and out or permanently locate for that time, uh-huh. that'd be uh-huh. great. I would love to do that. But you know, uh, it's not in my ball field to do as of right now. So you know, I work with what I got. Speaking of which, the UFC. So I was going to say to you. Um, Going into the UFC, what, no, it's not no, about going to the UFC. <laughs> they explained that one already, but the betting scandal that's in the in the UFC has suddenly come to um, to everybody's attention, um, especially involving James Krause. I think he casually let it slip, but he had no idea the sorts of um, uh, Pandora's box he was opening, but just <laughs> was carelessly giving away that answer. What's your opinion on um, bets being placed on fights? As in, your own coach, um, um, have you ever heard or has been done to you before? Has anyone ever placed it on you, hoping that maybe you would lose? Even maybe asking you to take a dive to lose the fight and make sure that you win the fight just so it could benefit them and maybe they would make sure that you benefit from that as well? No, I've uh, I've never, never had that cross at all and if that did that'd be that'd be pretty sweet honestly <laughs> no no but in, in all seriousness like no i've never i've never had that come across at all um mm. it that that is interesting like i've i've seen bits and pieces of it and I, about that that whole thing that's that's, that's very unfortunate it's lame really but um yeah. So, no. as in, for you, as in, just um, for your own opinion, though you said you kind of confirmed that something happened to you. I mean, um, do you think that much of a big, big, big deal, or do you think that for James Krause and for other people involved, do you think there should be some serious consequence? Um, because when I did hear that some fighters were deliberately losing fights intentionally, I was thinking, why would you want to? All of the hard work the preparations, cutting weight, and all the sacrifices you've made, you're just throwing all of that away just for the sake. You might be getting some money, fine, but overall, being the the athlete that's lost that fight, you don't look good overall. Um, it, you definitely don't want it to turn into, like, um, like uh, unfortunately, like, boxing has that type of reputation in some of those fights you know what i mean like so you definitely don't want it to turn into like like that um that i mean really that's like all i can think of because like um i could think of like um like i don't i don't want to say the the boxer's name but his name starts with a j and his last name with a p Hold on. Um, let let me try. Let me try and work this out. I'm trying to remember. Ah, uh, can you give any clues? What country they hail from? What country do they hail from? Excuse me. Um, United States, unfortunately. Um, Who has an older brother? Jay. Yes. The first name starts with the letter J. I mean Jake Paul. Sorry, I don't like. I don't like to. Uh, I don't want to give that guy. I don't want to give any of those guys 
credit. Yeah, look, I, I, I know, I know what you're, I know what you're trying to, I know what you, how you feel. You don't, you can't take them seriously yet until they fought someone who's on their level, their proper equal in terms of age, height, and all those things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Be, like, for example, the Anderson Silva fight. I never, I didn't see it because, again, I'm not. Me personally, I, I guess you could say I boycott that. I boycott that that type of person in general. So. I saw highlights and I was just like, hmm, this is kind of, this is kind of weird. Someone like Anderson Silva just, and I'm not saying he did at all. I have no idea. I mean, he, he is a, a guy for his age, you know, you think he'd be kind of just, this would be just a hobby. Like, why would you just compete at this point? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's a bit suspicious, but you know, you know, more power to more power to them, but like I said, like in terms of the betting thing that you were talking about, you know, you just don't want it to like you don't want it to be like the boxing situation with certain fights that has happened. Mm-hmm. That, in my opinion, mm. you want to place a bet on fighter, cool. Yes. Um, I don't think the fighter should really take that. I don't know. I just like. If somebody came up to me and said, like, hey, if you take a dive for this amount of money, you know, and if it's good money, me personally, like, I'm just like, no. No, why why, why would I do that? Like, what, what it's, I don't know, it's just stupid to me. First, you're taking, da- you're taking more, da- you would take more damage, I guess. Exactly. Like, you, if you leave yourself open just enough for you to get like more damage that you're trying to get in the first place you know i don't know it just seems pointless yeah yeah because this um this betting scandal thing of the ufc the james kraus thing so i'm i'm sure it definitely involves dana white you know i i think it's going to be like um one of those cases whereby a a domino effect is, is going to be happening James Cross, I think, from what I've heard, the FBI in the US has seized all of his phones and uh, gadgets and whatever. And um, again, it's like one of those domino effects. I think they're going to lean on him and then other people are going to be coming out of the woodwork. Other names will start cropping up. He will have to start to talk because even if he's going to go down and be punished, I don't think he wants to be punished on his own. If right. <laughs> you know what I mean. So yeah, I think absolutely. at some point he's going to have to talk and start um spitting as well putting names out there you know that kind of thing but let's see what happens and people have said potentially this sort of thing could ruin the ufc you know it but definitely so, could. yeah mm. which is sad no i know and whilst we're talking about the ufc um you seem like quite a marketable person, uh, quite quite a, a fighter that can be marketed well. That can be, if you were to find the, well, maybe not just the UFC, but maybe even Bellator or 1FC, you look like someone that the fighting promotion could make turn into a star. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> would you also like to indulge in some trash talking? Because no. At all? No. No. 
No, not at all. No, I. That stuff is for video games. <laughs> that wow. type of stuff is for video games. No, not at all. Not in not in this in my opinion. No. Um, there's there's uh calculated ways you can go about that. Like for example, Connor. Um, it was funny. Mm-hmm. It was funny, and it was towards someone who kind of took it very very, like seriously, which happens to everybody. But you know, there was a way that he, up until Habib, obviously, um, and obviously with Kobe Covington, that's a worst case. Uh, definitely something you, you don't want to do. Like in my in my personal opinion, I have no reason to trash talk at all, unless the person is talking to me while I'm answering a question. <laughs> then I have no problem snapping back at you at all and then saying what I have to say on my mind. There's going to be a lot of cussing in there. I will cuss like a sailor. I I have no filter on that at all. But in terms of trash talking in, in general, there are ways that you can go about it. Um, just I, Even with call-outs, you know, make sure they happen instead mm-hmm. of just instead of just saying it. Because how many times have we heard about like John Jones versus Brock Lesnar, especially when John Jones said was calling out Brock Lesnar, and we haven't seen that guy since UFC 200. How many times are we gonna hear like how many times are we gonna hear that? How many times are we gonna hear about all these other fighters that are calling each other out and they don't happen? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mm. it's it's stupid. You either make it happen or you don't. Yeah, in that yeah. Regard. And in terms of talking back to each other, you better be calculated. Like, it better make sense instead of just stupidness. In my, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, we're all, at the end of the day, we're all martial artists here. Like, I'll, I'll be as respectful as I possibly can, but if you're gonna, if you're gonna be disrespectful to me, I'm going to, I'm going to say something. Especially if I'm going to be interrupted. So, <laughs> that's, yeah, but I, I have no desire to do that unless I'm being talked to. Okay. That's that's the bottom line. Okay. You're clearly not as innocent as you look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I guess so. No, um no, that's uh that's good you wanna as in because I have to admit that's um uh, Certain people do indulge in the trash talking, probably just to build up the hype and the attention around the fights, probably so increases the fight person, whatever else involved. You know, um, it does kind of okay for me. It kind of like it. It does probably change somewhat the way I look at you, but um, as as a person. But I do know that there are some instances whereby the promoter has been has told the fighter that you've got to change where you how you are. Otherwise, you're going to cut you. And that's what they did to Kobe Covington. And you, like you said, that was a worst-case scenario. Yes. Um, that's true. Um, you didn't have to... However, you didn't have to insult an entire country that could possibly kill you. That's another <laughs> one, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, like... It's just that's the bottom line. Like you could have done it in any other shape or form to 
not have a country literally try and kill you, throw stuff at you, um, possibly wait out in the buses to get to your hotel. Because I heard, because um, I heard about that, where uh, you know the people of Brazil would probably be waiting by the buses, and they probably <laughs> like I said, they're probably throwing shit at your <sighs> at the buses, <clears throat> trying to break in and try and kill you. There's so many different ways that you can do it in a playful manner and make your point. Just don't do it in a country that's very likable to get you killed. Yeah, both him and Shel Sonnen. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, So, um, finally, just if you're as in any of those uh, promotions, each promotion does vary, but let's say for the UFC, which of the weight classes and weight divisions would you like to fight and would you make weight to um probably fight in a particular division that's probably there's a significant work to do in terms of your your weight to be able to compete in that division uh, <clears throat> excuse me um the majority of my fights have been at 135 okay but that's when i was like kind of walking around that so and obviously, me being 28, it's um, like I said, I just have to cut out the bad portions of in terms of my diet and stuff like that, which is not it's not a problem. It's just you know, you just just have to. It's just a grind sometimes, you know. Weightlifting, I need to do that a lot more. That's for sure. Um, good, yeah. Um, so you know, I could see myself probably getting more into 45 but uh or 45 division a lot more because like like currently right now i'm like 160 and that's that's my christmas weight because <laughs> okay. normally i would be like i was like a buck 55 plus uh before the whole christmas break type stuff so i you know i've just been chilling you know eating what i wanted stuff like that it all goes to my stomach for some reason. Everything else seems fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, like uh, thirty-five or forty-five, uh, probably more forty-five in terms of because sure. I, I do want to, I do want to bulk up a little bit more in terms of like <laughs> in that regard. But um, yeah, most likely probably just uh, forty-five. The uh, better we did it in there. Look, before I, I let, I let you go. Um. Are there any sponsors, affiliates, coaches, corners, or just people who, um, family and friends, or those who um, you have been with you on this journey uh, that you've um, come so far and achieved quite a bit? Is there anyone who you want to give a shout out to? Man, it's that's a long list, mm. but uh, <laughs> like it, um, you. I don't know if you've heard this, like. Uh, especially for those on the spectrum it takes a village to take care of one and that's that's very true and we've had people come in and come out um out of our family and stuff like that and made very big impact um to my friends and family i thank them a lot you know and they you know it's been a big support stuff like that um uh, my coaches at um at Lions Crest, my first gym, mm-hmm. especially they've been there through all my fights up until my the last amateur fight I had, 
and they encouraged me to go out and um, train somewhere else. And that's where I started because I started training at a at Brunson's gym now. Sure. Uh, pri- prior to that last amateur fight, I was going over to Brunson for sparring, um, feel like in getting, you know, feeling them out. And you know, they have great teammates. Those guys are awesome, and they they made me part of their family, which is I can't thank them enough. And uh, being part of that gym now, and I'm still in very very good connections with my old gym, Lions Crest, Mike, Sydney, um, the couple who who own that, like they, they put their hearts and souls into what they do there. And especially for not just like um, the adults, but the kids in that area. Cause Burgos is very, very small and very like, um, there's not a lot for kids to do. So, you know, making sure that they have like, you know, good, healthy, you know, things to do. And like I said, Brunson's uh, MMA, I thank Derek Brunson to even like, like when I went over there to say like, Hey, I'm going to start training here. Um, the receptionist there um, that was saying like, Hey, yeah, like me and me and Derek have been talking about you actually, especially after your last fight. And having the thought of like, so, like somebody like uh, Derek Brunson in that position to wait to where he is. I uh, like, man, it, it makes you really think like, wow, this, like something's here. Like we just, and I'm not going to lie. It's been very difficult, especially after the last fight. It was not, it was definitely not like right headspace, but going back to thank yous, um, you know, it, you know, I, I can't thank them enough. They're great people. there, great partners and stuff like that. I, like I appreciate, and I appreciate people like you because you're not the first podcast mma podcast to reach out to me and stuff like that and the fact that just like the the story that i showed the the video that i showed you that was supposed to go to washington dc that was supposed to go that was supposed to be meant for something obviously with uh certain people getting in the office at the time that that changed um and that that was supposed to meant to change a lot of things. Like it was supposed to really open people's eyes, and it did to an to an extent. But you know, it is what it is, really. But you know, and you know, I, I thank you for giving me this opportunity to even speak. Mm-hmm. Just like, and, and I, I, you know, and I don't seek it. I really don't. Like I just, you know, I just try to just live to my best. No, um, I actually appreciate you coming on because it's nice and quite heartwarming to hear your story that despite all the obstacles placed in your path, you still persevered. You and your family, especially your father and in, in particular your mother, you know, those people, you know, I have to say that it's quite annoying when someone just, although depending on the situation, you can kind of work out why they've done what they've done. When someone just cuts off all contact unexpectedly, and you just you get no closure, no explanation for why they've done what they've done, that's it's it's offensive. It's uh, it really does get to you. And why did you like? Did you ignore? I did nothing wrong to you. I was very respectful and polite, and uh, you give me the impression that actually, even when I did all those things, it was still you know wrong. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I would like to get you back on the show um, in the near future because I really do enjoy enjoy the uh, conversation yes, we had. Absolutely. Only thing is, I should actually do it at a time where it's earlier and where I can actually get a, an air of the house or somewhere else where I can actually just get my equipment set up and start the time that we agreed to start on. Hey, um, no, man. Hey, stuff happens. It's all good. <laughs> Thank you for being so patient. Thank you. And uh, yes, um, guys, if you did enjoy this episode, please don't forget to leave a like and don't forget to subscribe to the channel. It really, really does help me when you do that. You can also catch the podcast um, episodes at Spotify, Apple iTunes, and also Google Podcasts. And there's a plethora of other um, smaller audio platforms whereby you can also catch the episodes as well. Timothy, thank you once again. Definitely be seeing you again. Thank you, Thank brother. you very much. Take care. Thanks. So yeah. Take care.